Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another stabby snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello for the third time, because surprise, we had technical difficulties. It happens. And uh, hang around at the end. We have a little bit of an announcement for you guys, but since we don't do business at the beginning of these, I am throwing it on the end for you. You definitely want to listen, though. I'm just saying. Yes. Yes, yes. It'll be exciting. So today, I am going to be talking about a cold case. It actually will involve a few victims, but the one I am concentrating on is Julia Woodward. She was a 21-year-old woman who was described as a sweet person who loved her family. She was last seen on February 1st, 1979, when a friend dropped her off at the San Francisco airport. She was catching a flight over to North Tahoe. She was hoping to turn a new leaf and find a new job and kind of start over. Sadly, these new beginnings wouldn't be able to unfold for Julia. Hmm. On March 24th, her body would be found by a motorcyclist in Eagle Canyon in the Hungry Valley, which, if you're not familiar with the area, that is just 15 miles from Reno. Got it. Her body was found face down with band-aids sealing her eyes shut, duct tape on her legs, a scarf around her neck that was used as a gag. She had a blow to the back of the head, which would be an indicator of her death, which was blunt force trauma. Hmm. Forensics would also find indications of sexual assault as well. The medical examiner had determined she had been dead about a week from when they had found her. All the while, her mother, Cecily O'Connor, was none the wiser. At this point in time, she had no clue that the fate of her daughter was this. So after a few weeks of not hearing from her, she began to worry, as any mother would. Now, you're probably like, wait, a few weeks, which was my initial thought, but this is the 70s. No cell phones, no social media, none of that. So, you know, she was moving to a new area, trying to get settled, get a job, all that stuff. So, I mean, okay, fair enough. It's true. But with that said, after the few weeks, her mom filed a missing persons report. So one of the saddest, I mean, the whole thing is sad, but something that's really sad is her body would go unidentified for eight months. Mm, that is really sad. And when it finally was linked to her identity, it had been done so because of her dental records. And of course, that matched up to her missing persons report. It was never clear on how or why she ended up in Reno, but that's just, I guess, where she was. I don't know travel stuff. There's no airport or anything like in Tahoe, right? Like, I'm probably sounding like an idiot. I mean, if there is, it's small. Mm hmm. And it would have made more sense to fly into, especially out of SFO, uh-huh. to fly into Reno. Okay. And it's not, it's honestly not that far. It's probably like an hour or maybe two. 
an hour from Reno. Okay. So she could have just been like on a day trip or yeah. I mean, she was really young. So she could have went over there for like a weekend True. or whatever. Like, who knows? All the sources, like they never really were able to find out why she was there, but that's where she was. Now, there, like I said, is more than one victim. Um, another one that ties into her story closely is Jeannie Smith. Now, her body was found just one mile from where they found Julia's body. Oh. Yes. And Jeannie was last seen on October 27th, 1978 at Circus Circus, where she was a waitress. It was actually her day off, but she had went over there to see her friends, including one named Patty Bone and also a male friend who was not identified as well. What details we do know about this last day comes from Patty. She said she saw the male and he was waiting on Jeannie. He was described as being between 5'7 to 5'8, 170 to 175 pounds. He was wearing faded jeans, a plaid shirt, a light blue down jacket, and a Caterpillar Construction Company ball cap. Generic. Yeah, pretty generic. And then in one of the articles, it said, it quoted her saying, he looked like a construction dude or a construction guy. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, okay, fair enough. She said that there was no weird vibes or anything. They seemed to be getting along pretty well and they were acting really friendly towards each other. So the pair would leave Circus Circus around 9 p.m. that night, and this would be the last time anyone would see Jeannie alive. Mm. So jump to about a year later, November 2nd, 1979, and this is also, of course, after Julia had been found. Jeannie's skeletal remains had been found by hunters on a remote part of Lemon Valley. It was stated that animals must have dug her up from a shallow grave she had been buried in. For years, authorities believed that these two were indeed linked just because coincidence doesn't happen mm -hmm. with stuff like this. They were so close in proximity. It was in the middle of nowhere. This kind of thing didn't happen. There's just too many weird similarities. Now, we'd go through so much time, sadly, with no answers. The cases on these would just go cold. Mm -hmm. But in 2015, the Washoe County Sheriff's Office, their cold case unit, would actually reopen a batch of 34 unsolved homicide cases, and Julia's was one of them. So Julia's mother was interviewed in 2015 by the media, of course, after this was announced. And if you'd like to read the full interview on that, it's on the sources page. I included that in there for you guys. Uh, she spoke about her process with grief counseling and some support groups she had been a part of over the years. And she would actually become a grief counselor herself. So that's really good. Mm -hmm. So at least she was able to kind of, I guess take what she's been through and help others as well. Mm -hmm. What was really heartbreaking, and I think a lot of people don't think about with these kind of cases or maybe tend to forget, not you know, not on purpose, is that with the actual victim, the families are victims too. They go through this whole thing for the rest of their lives, maybe never even knowing what's happened to their family members, like just having this you know, emptiness of not only losing a loved one, but then just not having any kind of answers, closure, nothing, and always wondering what if. Right. It's terrible. And it just breaks my heart. And that's why we always try to highlight at least one missing person's case a month. 
But since this one popped up, I just, I had to do it. But kind of what also shows that especially it was just like kind of stung was that in that interview, she stated that she was glad they were taking another look, but she wasn't expecting any closure to happen. And she doesn't really relate to finding out who did this to her daughter to get that closure, which that makes sense. Um, And that's probably good because then that's not giving her any false hope for her personal grief, you know? Mm hmm. But with that said, she was hopeful that maybe justice would eventually be served even after all of these years. So four years after this, so now here in 2019, the Washoe County uh, Sheriff Department would be on their way to serving justice. So Rick Bielka utilized the advanced DNA technology that we have today. And I'm just going to refer to him as Detective Rick. I tried to look up how to say his last name. I even did the like YouTube pronounce thing and it was like a really strong German accent and I cannot copy that. So I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. My apologies. So Detective Rick decided to utilize our handy dandy advanced DNA technology that we have today. This has helped in many cold cases. As you are familiar, you know, Golden State Killer is a big one. Mm -hmm. And it's just huge because they didn't obviously have this back in the 70s and such and now we do so it's great that police forces and art and stuff are going back and rerunning things like i think that's fucking fantastic so for julia's death there had been what they call a biological evidence Mm -hmm. there was sexual assault so i'm sure you can guess what that was left at the scene and they would actually find a match to this from an individual who had been in the California prison system. Hmm. Yes. So not quite as crazy of a journey as Golden State Killer with, you know, what is that called? Like 23andMe or whatever. Those are great avenues as well, obviously. This person would be Charles Gary Sullivan. Now, Charles here is a a piece of work. We'll get to that. So Charles was arrested on August 28th of this year in Yavapah County, Arizona, and was transported, of course, over to Nevada. Now, if you're wondering why he ended up in prison, I'll tell you. So back in September of 2007, it said that Charles picked up a 25-year-old woman in Eureka, California. She was hitchhiking along California 20 near Interstate 80 in Nevada County. She was traveling back She had just went to her aunt's funeral in Utah and was trying to get back down to Yuba City. Got it. Yes. So it said that he drove her to this secluded area and apparently had promised to show her a vein of turquoise, Mm. which, okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but. (laughs) I mean, if you're really into turquoise, like turquoise is like cool and found in nature and I mean, if you were into it, it'd be really cool to go see. Yeah, I mean, if you mine it, I mean, someone's probably like, Tara, you're a dumbass. Like, it's, let me show you. I'm not outdoorsy. I'm sorry. (laughs) This was near Bowman Lake. So after a hike along, like, an embankment type of situation, Mm -hmm. he would end up handcuffing her and then also zip tying her wrists and ankles. And of course, he's being super creepy and channeling BTK and just being gross. Because he had said to her, the only thing that's going to be involved is sex. We're just going to be out here for a few days and have fun. A few days? 
I'm going to stay zipped up for zip tied up for a few days and you're going to no, 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 friend. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm out. Yeah. So I'm sure panic set in because hello, human. And she was just trying to get a ride. Now, someone's probably like, well, she hitchhiked, blah, 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 which, yes, that is unsafe. But please take your victim shaming elsewhere. We do not condone that here. No, we do not. Mm -mm. You don't know situations and you got to do what you got to do. That's all I'm going to say on that. So, of course, they had this exchange where she was pleading to be like, let me go. Like, I'm sure. I mean, this is me like speculating, but I'm sure it's probably like, let me go. I won't do anything, whatever. But anyway, she was trying to be convince him to let her go so she could just be safe and not die. And his response was basically to threaten her and say he was going to knock her out. Oh. Yeah. After this, he decided he would go back to his minivan for I don't want to know what. I don't know if it was, you know, not good stuff. That's that's all we can guarantee. And this was when she decided, you know, that fight or flight kicked in and she decided to get the fuck out of there. She was able to run in the opposite direction of where he was with the van, and she got lucky. She came across two guys who were on an ATV, and they rescued her. Oh, very nice. Yes. So good job on you two, and thank goodness. So the Nevada County jury decided to reject the kidnapping charge, but did find him guilty of false imprisonment and making a criminal threat. So... He's obviously, you know, got some kind of M.O. going on here. And there was articles and stuff suggesting that he's possibly a serial killer. There may be more victims. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So they had, you know, they or they might still have, I don't know, cadaver dogs out searching and, you know, just the FBI is involved. Like, it's a obviously a big deal deal. Mm -hmm. His wife currently is still standing by his side. I don't know like how long they've been married or anything like that. I, you know, this is about the victims. I didn't really care to look into his backstory. Right. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't, it's all, it's kind of like victim shaming. You can't really blame her either really at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's her husband and who wants their significant other to be a murderer? Nobody. Right. We don't even know their relationship. Right. Exactly. And yeah, it could be a number of things like she could be a victim of his. I mean, I hope not, but, you know, it could be something like that. Or it could even be something more extreme where she was involved. True. That's possible, too. You never know. But um, at this time in present day, it is just a couple days before this is airing. So it's Monday for us. His arraignment will actually be tomorrow on Tuesday. Now, I don't know if they will release any updates to the media or not. That's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, depending on these cases. This one's obviously a big deal. So we will see if there is anything with the updates. I'll do like we always do and put it in the show notes and also um, on the social media posts for you guys so you can read up on extra things. Plus, of course, We'll probably have another updates episode coming in the near future with some of our cases. So we will definitely update you guys then. But um, do you have any final thoughts on this before we get to announcement stuff? I think we kind of covered it, like just with the wife and everything. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in real life. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that, at least. Just 
I mean, not excited because that sounds a little fucked up, but like interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. And happy that in the sense that, you know, these families can at the very least get answers. True. Hopefully it may not bring them any closure, but it may give them answers, which may help with things. You never know. Totally. At least there's that. But that is going to cover for Julia's story here for us for now. Mm -hmm. With that, though, guys, if you're in the Facebook group, you may have already seen. But if not, we are going to be holding our very first Spookster Secret Santa. Yay! Yay! So that's going to be super, super fun. Basically, if you would like to be part of this, come hang out in the Facebook group. It's in the link tree below. And the link for it is in there hanging out. Essentially, we are just, you know, we're keeping it small, just a $20 limit. And you just need to RSVP by Krampus Day, December 5th. And after that, the names will get drawn for who your person is. And then we give you guys until basically the 20th. Um, But I will say once it's drawn, if you're able to kind of get on your gift, I would just because shipping holidays. Yeah, I can say that the. that this thing, the uh, site that Tara found for us, Elfster, like, Mm -hmm. is really cool because there's actually, like, a place on there where you can go and select items. Mm -hmm. You can make a wish list. Yeah, you definitely want to make a wish list because that'll make whoever gets you so much easier. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of gifts that are within that price range. Right. If someone you get, like, you're not able to get exactly what's on their wish list, at least it'll give you an idea of what they like. So that's great, too. It's true. So definitely check it out. If you would like to participate, go ahead and come over to the Facebook group, take a look at the link and all that stuff. And if you have any questions, just send us a message on any of the socials. Happy to answer that. But that's really all we have. So we are going to go ahead and wrap things up for today. We hope you enjoyed our mini this week and that you stay safe over this pre-Thanksgiving weekend. And we will catch you on Monday for our listeners episode. Totes. See you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) 